Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, July 9th, 2020. This is Shannon, and I am here this evening with Natalia, Brooke, and Sarah. And we are doing an episode inspired by the lovely Mika, who wanted us to talk about paranormal mysteries. So originally this started out as paranormal cozy mysteries, but there aren't a lot of paranormal cozies that a lot of us like want to read. So some of these are cozy, some of them are not. So no matter what your mystery reading preferences are, we should have some things for you. So before we get started, I have the usual housekeeping information for you. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. All right, now I'm going to talk about my first book, then Brooke and Sarah and Natalia will share some fantastic recommendations as well. So my first pick is by an author who does not get the notice that she deserves. Um, I hardly ever hear anyone talking about her and that makes me so sad. So this is Melissa F. Olson. And I want to talk to you about her Scarlet Bernard series. The first book is called Dead Spots, and I love it so much. So this was written in 2012, and it was her debut novel. And Scarlet is what is called a null, which means that she can nullify anyone's magic abilities if they get too close to her. So vampires are dead, but when Scarlet's like within 10 feet of them, they become alive. And so they weirdly like they're the thing that makes them a vampire goes away in her presence. So this is kind of a nifty ability and it's rare. So she goes around and nullifies magic for like the vampires when they want her to sometimes for the werewolves. She also does some crime scene cleanup. And she is basically tasked with helping to keep the supernatural world under wraps from humanity. But when there is a grisly murder, unfortunately, a police officer finds out about vampires and werewolves and witches. And she is very, very concerned about this because you know, humans are not supposed to know that the paranormal actually exists. So she has to strike a deal with this police officer that he will not tell anyone what he knows now. But the only way he will do this is if Scarlett helps him solve this case, which for all kinds of reasons she does not want to do. So I really enjoy Scarlett's abilities. I love that 
she is a strong woman who is kind of okay with like some of the things that she's not great at. You know, she's not one of those people who is like a kick-ass heroine all the time. And she's always like ready to fight people. Um, Scarlett knows that she's not, you know, all that. And she's okay with that. She wants to get better at the things that she needs improvement on. She just, she works really hard. She's a very loyal, fantastic friend. Um, she's just an all-around very cool character. And I really enjoy watching her evolve as the series progresses. Um, there is a little bit of a love triangle, which is not my favorite. But I think Olsen handles it in a way that doesn't make it like super annoying where I just want to like stop reading whenever I come across it. Um, so if you've never checked her books out, I highly recommend them. This one is Dead Spots, Scarlet Bernard, book one, and it's by Melissa F. Olson. The book sounds really, really interesting. It's very cool. And like I said, I'll have to check it out. Talk about her enough. I like her, but I didn't realize that Scarlet Bernard was written before the other series, and yep. it's, it's promoted as the spinoff. To so, should I start with Scarlet Bernard? I would. So Scarlet Bernard is the like that's her debut, and so it, mm -hmm. that's like publication order. Um, okay. So yeah, I would start there because then you can kind of see like how the world evolves. I'll check it out because I really enjoy her. I will. I will. So my first pick is Grave Witch. Oh, Alex yes. Craft number one by Kalena Price. Mm -hmm. And this book, as you can probably guess, is about a woman named Alex Craft. And Alex is a grave witch, which means that she can talk to the dead. Um, about 70 years ago, the um, fa like fairies and the paranormal community kind of came out of hiding. And so Alex helps out the parent. I don't know if they're special. I think they're like a special um, branch of the police. Um, and she helps them to investigate kind of supernatural being's involvement in um, crime. So um, I really, really like Alex because she's not one of those typical like heroines that's able to do everything. She's not this like superhero. She's not, she doesn't have all these like magical abilities after magical abilities. Cause one of her, so her, her main ability is the ability to talk to the dead but when she uses her grave witch um, abilities, she actually goes blind, which I thought was pretty cool because That's it makes right. it gives her a flaw. Yeah, it gives her a flaw, and I really like that because I like when people are normal because all of us have flaws. I will. I don't like admitting it, but I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Alex has been asked by the special bureau of the police, or I mean the unit of the police to help them with a case where like some well said, like well positioned people in the community um, are like humans in the community are fine are being found dead. And normally she can, she can raise the dead and talk to their spirits before, like after they've died. 
But for some reason, when she tries to do it, it's not happening. Like nothing's happening. The, the spirit's already gone. And they're trying to figure out like, why is this happening and who is behind it all? So if you would like to learn more, then check out Grave Witch, Alex Craft, number one by Kalena Price. I love these. I loved them. I, I can't wait for the next one. It comes out in November. I, I really like need to catch one. up. I'll probably actually have to reread because like November is so long from when I last read them. I'll probably have to reread the whole series by then. I feel like tonight kind of the, <laughs> the unintentional theme is um, books about people who are not necessarily your stereotypical heroine who can like do everything perfectly because it kind of ties right into my first book which is Dark Current, Agent of Hell, book one, and it's by Jacqueline Carey. And I've talked about um, these books in another context before, but to me, they're just the most fascinating of mysteries. So the book takes, the books, there's a trilogy, they take place in Pencowit, Michigan. And I really wish it was a real place because it sounds like such a cool place to visit. And a lot of, they call them supernaturals in this book in this series, live in Pencowit. And Pencowit is over an underworld. And there are places kind of all over where they're over what they call an underworld. And this one is overseen by the Norse goddess Hel, not to be confused with Hel. <laughs> and um, the books are about um, a young woman named Daisy Johansson. And Daisy, Daisy Johansson is a half-human, half-succubus. Her father was, or is it incubus? The male, the male, is that incubus? Sorry. Yeah, I think her father was an incubus. And um, he seduced her mother or not really even seduced her, kind of took advantage of her after she was playing with a Ouija board one night when she came to visit people in Pankawit and he, it was stronger there for him. So her mother um, came here to raise Daisy because of the supernatural community because Daisy has some powers that she can't always control um, because of her heritage with her father. And um, about a year before the opening of the book, she was approached by Hell, and she was asked to be Hell's enforcer. So that basically means that if there's any issues with the supernatural community, Daisy's job is to kind of figure out what's going on, kind of smooth things over, and get things running smoothly again so that they can all continue to live in blissful harmony. And all that's great. Daisy has an in because she is a... Um, like a records clerk at the police station. So it's easy for her to find cases that are strangely superna supernatural um, instead of just like a regular police investigation. So the first book kind of settled, kind of revolves around there was a killing. Somebody was drowned in the lake and, or the river and nobody can figure out like who did it. Cause it's very strange, like the way it happened. And they can tell there's something supernatural involved and, and, and they kind of try to figure out why. But this series is just a really awesome series 
I love it. It's, it's again, Daisy is half human and she's kind of, she's fragile like a human. I mean, she's not like all knowing, all encompassing, can kick ass every day. She's kind of just this fragile human girl with a tail that she hides that works in the, yeah, she works in the police department and she's, everyone thinks she's just like this records clerk, but really she does more than that. And she lives above a bakery that's run by a brownie. So there's like Faye and there are werewolves and, um, oh, her friend, her mom's best friend is like this really cool, like water creature, elemental thing. I can't think of the name. There's a, there's a huge ogre named Gus. And do you, did anyone I else read it. these? Yeah. I've read the just, first one. I haven't read the rest. They're really great books. I haven't and read I don't any. Wanna, oh, they're really, really good. And the writing is very interesting and just, she does such a good job. And, um, the characters are, um, they really draw you in. And again, um, they're every book is kind of revolves around a different case or a different, a different thing that comes up in the supernatural community that Daisy has to kind of fix, but it's not like Daisy Johansson, ace detective with her, you know, <laughs> detective skills. She's not like that. She's just, you're like your typical like early twenties girl um, in a small town. And it's just really fun. There's a lot of like musician stuff in it and just, um, I just really wish I could go to Pankowit and visit because I would love to go there. So if you like kind of magical, supernaturally type books um, that are not like way over the top, you really should read Dark Current, Agent of Hell, book one. I promise you will not regret it. It's super good. It sounds sounds really good. I don't know what happened. I like Jacqueline Carey a lot. I had it to be read and I don't know. I never got to it, but I'm going to. I don't think I've. I don't think I've it's read so any of it. her books. You, Brooke, you might oh, like them. Cushiel. They're not. I've never read those. I and I always I haven't read Cushiel oh, either. So beautiful. Cushiel's amazing. Cushiel's dark. Huh. Yeah. I've never read them. They're so long and glorious. Oh. <laughs> beautiful bookities. I, I love them. I, I feel like some of her other series are more. And tell me if I'm wrong, but they're a little bit more like fantasy, fantasy. Like it's not necessarily our world. Is that right? Yes. And yeah, this more one, like epic. That's right. I mean, Pencowit, Michigan mm-hmm. could be like any small town with like a bandstand and tourists that come like a small yeah. tourist town. And I like, I kind of like um, paranormal or urban fantasy books like that, where it's enough in our world that I can like really relate. Like, you know, if they mention a Starbucks or something, <laughs> or like I a guess, cafe yeah. where there's pie. Um, but it was just a really good, the series, I've read it like three times. And every time it's still really good. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love that part. Ha ha. Like every time it's not like it gets old. Well, since we're talking about things that talk to the dead, I've mentioned this author only once before. And this is another author that just hasn't been mentioned on here enough because I think I'm the only one that has read this author. And I love her. I have mentioned her because I talked about her Abby Cooper series where um, Psychic Private Investigator. I just had to put that in there. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Um, but the books we'll be talking about today are her <laughs> Ghost Hunter Mysteries. This is by Victoria Laurie. And the first book is called What's a Ghoul to Do? I love the titles. I mean, one of the titles is Ghouls Just Haunt to Have Fun. It's great. And um, these books. I've seen I that. Like, 
yeah no i i really like them a lot they were they take place uh, they start in boston and i lived in boston when they were um when i was reading them i'm sorry i completely lost my train of thought when i was reading them i lived in boston and they're about mj mj is a medium so she can commune with spirits of the dead and you know um she can actually open the world of the dead and, and talk to a dead person if she's looking for them their ghost or their spirit or their soul and so mj actually does this as a profession in our modern world so you know how we've got people that advertise that you know they can be our mediums here in real life but we don't we're not actually sure or whatever we might believe but in this case she's if the real deal it's for real yes yeah if they do it for real like we don't really know we don't we don't really know what, what what's what but in this case she does do it for real and she does have a clientele like this is her actual living and so she's hired in this first book she's hired by this doctor Stephen sable and he's so yummy but um he hired her because he wants her to go to her his family lodge because apparently some years ago his grandfather committed suicide by jumping off the roof and dr sable has never quite swallowed this story he thinks that this is foul play that his grandfather there was no way his grandfather jumped off the roof and he wants to see if maybe she with her expertise by being in the lodge can communicate with his grandfather and find out what really happened to him except there are a bunch of different ghosts in this place that want to tell mj their stories and have a lot of things they want to say about such, such incident so it's going to be pretty interesting uh to see what happens and it's definitely not anything that we expect so i would really really suggest these books i love mj i love the character she has a best friend his name is gilly and he's um, just such a trip and she has a bird that talks and says a lot of really cool things and she had this she's had this bird for 30 years and it makes me think of my dog because I'm like oh if only they lived this long and um, it's just really really awesome to see how she grows and where she goes as a character and all the things that happened to her and of course all the awesome ghosties and not so awesome ghosties that she encounters so this is what's a goal to do Ghost Hunter Mysteries, book one by Victoria Laurie. All right, let's get cozy. So I usually don't do cozies. I usually find them kind of annoying. But this one was like the perfect thing for when I read it. So this is Wisteria Witches, Wisteria Witches, book one by Angela Pepper. And if you love Gilmore Girls, then this is a series that you absolutely have to read because this is the best like homage to the Gilmore Girls I have ever seen. Um, if you take Lorelai and Rory and you put them in a supernatural place, you, you've got this book. So this is about Zara Riddle and Zara has moved to Wisteria so that she can be the new librarian. And she and her teenage daughter bought this house and they, you know, were just kind of ready to move to a new place, start over. But when they get to Wisteria, they start to realize that there's more going beneath the surface of the town than they first expected. Um, they have a demented toaster 
for example. And the demented toaster would really like to kill someone. In fact, maybe it's killed someone already, but it would really like to do it again. And so it's always like trying to come up with ways like it will, you know, fall into the sink when it's full of hoping you will get electrocuted. Um, it's, it's not a very friendly appliance. But as they're kind of settling into Wisteria, Zara meets her aunt, who she has never known. Like, she's always known that she has an aunt, but she thought, you know, like, she's dead. She's just not been in her life. But Zena has been living in Wisteria, and Zena has a reason why Zara and Zoe to be living in Wisteria as well. And so she sort of helps them awaken their own magical powers. And this is just such a smart, funny series. And I don't always like funny books. Like I think often when books try too hard to be funny, it just doesn't work for me. But this one was just so, so good. The humor is, is intelligent humor. It's not like ridiculous. Um, and it just, it reminds me so much of the Gilmore Girls. And for me, that was most of the series charm. Um, if you don't like Gilmore Girls, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like this and I wouldn't recommend it. So even if cozies are not your normal fare, I highly recommend that you check this out. It's Wisteria Witches, Wisteria Witches book one by Angela Pepper. I Demented so toaster. badly want to read this book. Yes. I just want to know more about the demented, demented toaster. toaster. Does it ever make nice it's toast so, or is it always like deadly toast? Well, it will toast for you, but you never know like what it what kind of toast you're going to get toasting. Like it <laughs> it um electrocuted the previous owner of the house by oh flying into her bathtub while it was trying to toast a pop tart. And oh my! <laughs> someone get electrocuted. Yes, yes. So, oh, I think I might not um, use the toaster. I think I might get a new toaster. Well, so they're always trying to like put the toaster like elsewhere. You know how like the walking stick in Mercy Thompson, like yes, always, yep, she's trying yep. to like leave the walking <laughs> stick various places. So it's kind of like that with the toaster. Like she'll put it, she put it in the refrigerator once, like thinking that it could not come out. And it did. Um, it's kind yeah, of like, it's hard to get rid of the toaster. So let's stay cozy. Um, my next book is going to be Brownies and Broomsticks, Magical Bakery oh. Mystery, number one by Bailey Cates. And this book, um, well, at least, sorry, not book. This series, it takes place in Savannah, Georgia. And our main character, her name is Katie Lightfoot. And Katie used to work in Ohio at a bakery. And she really wasn't happy with how things were going in her life. And so when her, one day her aunt called her up and asked her if she would like to come and start a bakery with her and her uncle. And so Katie has gone to Savannah to a look, um, and she's kind of learning about running a bakery. So while doing this, she is watching her, one day she's watching her aunt, uh, Lucy, make some food, and she's noticing that she's putting in herbs and 
I'm not really sure. I don't totally remember how it comes up, but she discovers that her aunt is a witch. And not only is she putting these different herbs in, but that have magical properties, but she's also putting a little bit of magic in. So these, like these recipes are kind of spells. They're not just recipes. What the bakery tries to do is they try to give their customers like what they need. So they might add a little bit of rosemary because they need, um, I don't know, I'm guessing, they need to be cheered up today. Or they add a little bit of sage because they need a little bit of luck because they maybe they have an interview or something like that. So this is the kind of bakery that I would love to have in my area. So Katie Lightfoot, um, as I said, is working with her aunt, and her aunt is a witch. But as you can probably guess, this means that Katie is also a witch. But Katie does not know that she's a witch because Katie's mom, some things happened in their past, and her parents decided that they weren't going to tell Katie about her magical powers even though Katie's actually a quite powerful witch. She's called a head witch, um, hedge witch, sorry. Um, so it's more means that they kind of work with nature. So she's really good at getting her garden to grow. Um, she's, as I told you about her aunt, they're really good at putting ingredients together and doing their magic that way. So Katie is learning that she's a witch and she's introduced to... Lucy's coven, which is a group of women that come in, and she went to when Katie was first introduced to them, she thought they were just her book club, but they're <laughs> more than a book club. Um, I think if I'm not incorrect, the book club's actually called the Spell Book Club, so they do a lot of like reading about magical spells and stuff like that like they don't as far as I could tell anyway they do not really read the typical like fiction or non-fiction but when talking about books I thought this was pretty funny part of the um like in a corner of the bakery there's like a little library and the people and the women from the coven they come in and they bring random books so it's not like the t you don't get typical books you might see a self-help book or you might see a thriller, or you might see, like, you just never know what's going to be in the library. The women kind of do a little bit of magic in their own way. So some of them scrying, um, some of them look into the magic ball. Somebody, some of them look at the cards, read the cards, and stuff like that. So they kind of get an idea of what kind of books the customers are going to be looking for. And that's what they bring in. So you kind of never know what's going to be there. And I thought that was a pretty cool library. So I like that. Yeah. So one day, a difficult customer gets murdered outside of their bakery. Ooh. And uh, there was kind of a little bit of an altercation, more verbal, like a kind of a verbal alter alter altercation. Sorry, I can't speak. So there was a verbal altercation between Katie's Uncle Ben and this difficult customer. So, of course, the police are, they're looking at Ben, and they think that Ben has done this. But Katie and Lucy know this is not the case. 
So Katie decides that she's going to investigate. And she's never done this kind of thing. So it's kind of, um, I guess you call her an amateur, amateur sleuth. And she's kind of learning how it all goes. But she's got help from a guy named Steve Dodds. And he also turns out to be a witch. And he works for the local newspaper. And his another person that's going to be helping her out is um, a firefighter named Declan. And he's uh, really good friends with Ben because Ben used to be a former chief before he retired to open this bakery. And all together, they're going to try and get Ben off of these charges. So if you want to know what happens and how Katie does in discovering her witch powers, then you should check out Brownies and Broomsticks, Magical Bakery Mystery, number one, by Bailey Cates. So I am actually not, I am actually not talking about a cozy mystery for mine. And it's not like a food name, but um, it is a really kind of ominous name. It's called Omens. Canesville book one by Kelly Armstrong and I will say before I start talking about omens that Stacy often gets the credit and I come on the podcast and have to say that she was right about something but this time and she's not here so I can't even gloat but this time I was right I read the Canesville books way before she did, and I kept telling her how good they were. And I don't know if she didn't believe me or what, but then she read them, and then she couldn't stop, and she kept calling me, oh, my God, these are so good. And I'm like, yeah, I tried to tell you they were good, and you wouldn't listen to me. So if you want to read a really good <laughs> book that's a mystery, um, but it's so much more than a mystery, you need to read Omens. Canesville book one by Kelly Armstrong. And this book is about a young woman named Olivia Taylor Jones. And she's grown up in like the upper crust of Chicago society. And she has an Ivy League education and a perfect fiance and everything seems great. Until one day she finds out that she was adopted and she is the child of two serial killers. So that's probably pretty devastating to learn when you're Olivia Taylor Jones. And so she decides to go back to the town where she was born, Canesville. And she is going to learn more about her birth parents. So she goes back to this very tightly knit kind of cloistered community, um, And it's like a picture book little town. But there are some like deep things in this town and things you just don't understand and things that don't quite add up. And as she is starting to kind of interview people in the town to try to figure out like what went on with her birth parents, um, she starts to kind of have these like things happen to her. And she starts realizing she has these gifts that she didn't know she had. And she starts working with um, her birth mother's former lawyer, the very sexy Gabriel Walsh, who is one of my most favorite heroes of all time, um, to try to figure out, um, are her parents really serial killers? I mean, is this like a just imprisonment? And so many things kind of start to happen in this town while she's kind of starting to uncover all of these 
twisty, turny, confusing aspects of her birth parents. And um, she starts learning there's a little bit more involvement than like what you see on the surface and that there are actually fae that live among us and there are different factions of fae and that the fae are very much involved not only with Olivia Taylor Jones, but with her birth parents, Todd and Pamela. And she also gets to know the amazing, interesting, totally closed off enigma that is Gabriel Walsh. So if you want to read a really fantastic series um, full of twists and turns and a lot of like fey lore and story um, and intrigue, I would really highly recommend that you pick up Omens, Canesville number one by Kelly Armstrong. They just keep getting better and better and better. And I really would love to go to Canesville one day and visit there too. I, I, my books seem to be like all small towns. The next one is not, but Canesville and Pencowit, I wouldn't mind going to either of those places. I like how as you read these, like you start learning more and more about the paranormal. Like it's not super obvious right away no. that it's a town with paranormal activity. Like I was reading this and I'm like, well, wait, like, isn't this supposed to be kind of like fantastical? Yeah, and it doesn't seem it like it at first. Way, but it takes a little while. No. So my next book is by another author I haven't mentioned here. And I really, really enjoyed this series. And I don't know if she's going to write any more in it. I think there are like five or six books. But these are the Vintage Magic Mysteries by Annette Blair. So this book is called... A Veiled Deception, the first book in the series. And this book is about Madeira Cutler. I know we've heard the, that last name before, haven't we? But this is like the non-creepy Cutler family. <laughs> not like V.C. Andrews? Not V.C. Andrews. No, no, no. This is a, a normal Cutler family. <laughs> so Madeira, also known as Maddie, is a fashion designer in New York and one of New York's most prestigious fashion firms. And she's also a lover of vintage clothing and she's coming home to mystic Connecticut to help her sister Sherry plan her wedding. And during this wedding uh, engagement party, there's this lady or as they refer to her, this Jezebel that's trying to stop Sherry from getting married to her fiancé. Basically, in other words, trying to steal her fiancé, which is no good. And it's especially no good when this person is found dead and is strangled by the uh, lace tie. You know, the, the thing that you tie that goes around your waist on your dress? Oh, like That Sherry sash? was wearing. The sash, yes that Sherry was wearing during the engagement party. So, of course, Sherry is the prime suspect, even though Maddie knows that it wasn't Sherry who committed this crime and decides to become a sleuth to try and figure out what actually went down. Now, in the process, Maddie is, since she is a fashion designer and loves vintage and loves clothes, she is actually altering a vintage wedding dress that has come down through generations of her family for her sister to wear. And while she's altering this dress, she 
gets visions of the past that she never knew or heard about. And this vision has clues, uh, but to what? To the past? To a murder? We, we don't really know. And so in this journey, she figures out that she actually has the gift of psychometry where she can touch vintage clothes and figure out clues, but she has no control of what kind of things she sees and what time period uh, they are from or anything. And so she decides to buy a carriage house. It's like it was a funeral home, carriage house turned funeral home. And now she purchased it and she doesn't know what she's going to do with it. And it has a ghost in it and his name is Dante and he just can't seem to leave but he doesn't really know why and so meanwhile she's trying to figure out who killed this nemesis of her sisters but guys these books are good I I really love it I love the glimpses we get from the of the past I love the idea of vintage things and vintage objects and and how each object has a story and each outfit has a story based on who wore it when and why and how and just the mysteries. I never guessed who was the who the killer was. And in any of these stories, and they get better as they as they progress. That's why I'm kind of sad because I don't think she's gonna write anymore. I actually haven't seen her write anything for a while, but I thought they were really worth mentioning because I really enjoyed it. And again, this is the first book is called A Veiled Deception, Vintage Magic Mystery, Book One by Annette Blair. I've never heard of these until you mentioned them. They sound I know. good. They, they really are. They really, really, really are. I, I like them a whole lot. So I have a conflict. It is a terrible, terrible state to be in as I get ready to record my last book. Because you see, there are so many options for my last book. I could surprise no one and talk about Yasmin Gallinard's Wild Hunt series. <laughs> I could still surprise no one and talk about her Bewitching Bedlam series or even her Chintz and China series. Or I could just leave Yasmin out of this episode and I could talk about Juliet Blackwell. <laughs> or I could talk about Diana Rowland. I, I just don't know. Shannon, this is a very conundrum. It is. It's very hard to be me right now. But I think I will talk about another author that does not get enough mention on this podcast and just sort of in the world at large. So this is Mark of the Demon. Yay. Tara Gillian, book one by Diana Rowland. So this is, I think the series now, there are eight books total. Mark of the Demon being the first one. And our heroine is Cara Gillian, and she is a small-town police detective in this town called Bolak, Louisiana, which I don't think actually exists, but I don't really know. But along with just her sort of normal, like, policing skills, she also is a demon summoner. And she tries to keep this under wraps, um, as so many people who deal with the supernatural do, because she just doesn't want everyone to be aware that, you know, demons are real. That would cause a lot of trouble. But Bolak, Louisiana is in the clutches of a serial killer that everyone thought had kind of disappeared three years ago. 
But now he's back and he has been claiming victims once again. And so he's taken the lives of 13 people. And no one knows who he is or why he's doing this. But as Kara is investigating, she starts to realize that these crimes have some kind of connection to the occult. So she decides that she is going to do a summoning and she's going to try to see what the demonic realm can tell her about this killer. So she does this, but it does not go as expected. And instead of summoning a kind of low-level demon, she actually manages to summon a demonic lord. And this causes a lot of trouble for her because you don't just summon a demonic lord and say, oh, whoops, it was a mistake. Sorry. You have to like make a deal with the Lord and you don't really want to do that. But of course she has to. And oh, she's bound to this Lord um, for quite a long time. And so we're watching her not only struggle to solve what turns out to be her first like homicide case, but she's also dealing with just sort of her inner turmoil about her relationship with this Lord. Plus, there's an FBI agent who is dogging her footsteps. He does not believe that Kara is who she says she is. Um, he knows that she's hiding something. Of course, he cannot imagine what it is she's hiding, but he's pretty sure that she is hiding something. And he wants to find out what it is. So this is, it's a pretty dark series. Um, I really like the way Roland creates the demons. Like they're not goofy. You know, sometimes when people talk about demons, they're kind of like over the top and scary in like a cartoon way. But I really enjoy what she did with, with demons here. Um, and I really loved Kara's evolution from just sort of this like police detective who's competent enough at her job and at her summoning, but you know, it's still kind of green and, learning all the ins and outs of the various aspects of her life. And she becomes, over time, this very, very adept police officer and summoner. So this is a really great series. Um, again, it does not get like nearly the amount of attention it deserves. Um, I wish that more people knew about it and would pay attention to Diana Rowland's writing. So this, again, is Mark of the Demon, Cara Gillian, book one by Diana Rowland. I really like the first I, book. I have to continue. I adore I, Diana I, Rowland. I'm more into her, like, what, believe it or not, as much as I make fun of you guys, I'm more into her white trash zombie books. <laughs> I haven't oh, read those ones, those are cool. uh, but I have read the, the demon books, oh. and I love her demon books. So for my last book, I'm going to move away from series, and I'm going to do... Sarah Gailey's Magic for Liars. Um, our main character, her name is Ivy. And Ivy is, she's kind of got a, she's kind of happy with her life, but she's not really happy with her life. So she's, I don't know how to describe her. She's kind of, I guess she's kind of down on her luck right now. So she's a private investigator. And she has a sister, um, a twin sister, actually, who works at, she's like a really, really talented um, professor who works at, um, what, 
like a, what do you call it, a private school. So she works at a private school. And this private school is not just for anybody. Um, it's actually for kids who learn magic alongside their regular subjects. So this is not a regular school, as you can tell. Um, well, Ivy, unlike her sister, Tabitha, she's not magic. And this, at, at least, this doesn't really bother Ivy. Um, so she one day has a person come and ask her to investigate a crime. And it turns out to be the headmaster or like the head of the school that Tabitha works at. Um, a staff member has been found cut in half and she's pretty sure that it's magic, it's magic gone wrong. So Ivy immerses herself in the life of the school and she gets to meet some of the students and she meets some of the faculty. And through this, she's learning that, like she's kind of learning a little bit more about her sister's life because like her and her sister are estranged because they're so different. And as she's learning this, she's kind of reconnecting with her sister. And she's also learning about some things that her sister, they don't, that her sister really hasn't talked about. So I guess some not really secrets, but just things that she just doesn't know about her sister. Um, we get a sense of, we're learning about her as a family. We're also learning um, about how, like Ivy, as I said, she's okay with not being magic, but while working at this, um, working to solve this crime, she kind of gets a glimpse into her sister's life and she kind of wonders like, what would it actually be like if she had also been magic? So if you want to know like how it was all solved and what happened to this teacher, then check out Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. So Sarah Gailey writes, they have released uh, like three books so far since this one came out. And I think there are two more that are coming out this year. Um, so yeah, they are definitely on fire with their writing. Yeah, my last book actually is a novella, which I don't usually, I'm not really into talking about novellas necessarily, but you have to read this to start the series. And again, um, this author is very widely acclaimed and amazing, but I feel like this series doesn't get the attention that some of the other series get. So the author um, actually is very well acclaimed and gets talked about a lot, but she's more recognized for her Mercy Thompson series. So if anyone hasn't heard the name Mercy Thompson, I'm very sorry for you, but the author is Patricia Briggs. And the series that I'm talking about tonight is actually kind of a spinoff of the Mercy Thompson series. It's the Alpha and Omega series. And um, I'm going to talk about the novella in particular because you have to read it in order to understand the series. Um, but the, the novella is actually called Alpha and Omega. And it is about a young woman named Anna Latham. And Anna did not know that werewolves existed until one horrible night when she was actually turned against her will. And in 
the Patricia Briggs universe, when you make a werewolf, it's very violent. There's a lot of like shredding and mauling and bringing you almost to death. And if the person isn't, um, you know, really wanting this to happen, it's a very traumatic event. And so um, yes. Anna, Anna thinks she's going like out with this guy that she met while she worked like in a music store and he takes her to like this park and then he acts all weird and then he comes back and like mauls her and she wakes up in a cage in a basement in a house. I mean, it's horrible and traumatic and Anna is a very gentle and kind person. And, um, when she kind of gets control of, of herself now that she's a werewolf, she's at the bottom of this pack in Chicago. And I mean, they abuse her, the men kind of pass her around. It's really, really, really awful. And, um, so one day something happens and Anna just cannot take it anymore. She just, it's been a couple years and she's just really like on her last like reserve of mental fortitude. So she reaches out to the head of all of the North American wolf packs for help. And he sends his son, Charles Kornig. And Charles is like the second in this wolf pack. And he's also his father's enforcer. So if, Wolf packs are stepping out of line. If people are like making werewolves a little bit too visible, Charles comes in and quietly and efficiently cleans up the mess, which means he kills them. So he comes and in just a couple of minutes of meeting Anna, he knows that Anna is actually not a submissive wolf, that she's actually an Omega wolf which is very rare and very prized because Omegas are a very calming influence in the pack. They don't have to listen to dominant wolves. They're kind of dominant in their own right, but in a different way, they're very calming, very gentle, and they're very prized. But in this pack, which is a very corrupt pack, for some reason that Charles has to get to the bottom of in this novella, Anna was not treated well and she was not treated like an Omega. And so he is trying to figure out like what is going on in this pack in order to, you know, what is going on in this pack that makes them treat Anna this way? And why are they turning werewolves against, you know, turning people against their will into werewolves? Like what is going on in this pack? Because it's totally forbidden or verboten, if you want to use a more dramatic word, to turn people against their will into werewolves. This is something that people are supposed to consent to and know about ahead of time. Now, while all this is going on, you know, Anna's terrified of men. She's had a horrible last couple of years. Charles realizes, this dominant Charles Cornick, that he, that Anna is his mate. And so he has to try to, like, kind of gently get her into the mindset of feeling comfortable around him while trying to figure out this mystery of why is this pack doing this? Why are they turning people against their will? Who are they working with? And what... And does it serve? So the novella is short, Alpha and Omega. 
but the series is an amazing series and Anna and Charles have to um, go to different parts of the country and solve different, I don't want to say like mysteries or cases because it sounds kind of silly when they're not like detectives, but they're called in a lot to handle different like significant issues in different wolf packs and dealing with the fae, dealing with vampires, rogue werewolves. And the series is so like edge of your seat good, in my opinion. I just, I love the mystery in every book. And I love the kind of slow development of trust that happens between Charles and Anna. And then the deep love that they have for each other once they really kind of get comfortable with each other and are comfortable with themselves. So if you want a really good series that in my opinion is just as good as the Mercy Thompson series, you really should try Alpha and Omega by Patricia Briggs. I love them. Yay. That was a good series. Oh, it was so good. I just wanted to write more and more and more. I so I enjoy next year. Next is year Alpha oh, and Omega. Again. I hope so. Yes. I enjoyed Alpha and Omega, the novella, so, so much. So my last book, oh my gosh, I have been waiting forever to talk about these books on the podcast. And as soon as Shannon mentioned paranormal, actually Mikamu mentioned paranormal mysteries, I was like, yes, I finally get to talk about this author. And this is it's another author where the series, I think she's not writing anymore in this series, which is such a bummer. But no worries. It's not incomplete. Um, y- you know, it could end where it's at, which is fine, but I want more. So the first book in this glorious, gorgeous, awesome series is called Truly Madly, Lucy Valentine Book One by Heather Weber. And this book is, as you guessed it, about Lucy Valentine. And she is the Imagine daughter. That. Imagine. I know, right? She is the daughter of matchmakers, matchmakers who have a matchmaking business called Valentine Inc. Of course. Of course. Now, of there's course. a story in her family that Cupid blessed all of the Valentines with the gift to see auras. And their ability to see auras gives them the chance to match perfectly matched couples. Now, the catch is that they cannot see their own aura. That's one catch. So they can match everybody else, but they will never be able to see who their perfect match is. I guess they'll have to fall in love just like the rest of us and and put it by chance, huh? But we hope it works. Right? (laughs) But Lucy, she has had this talent, just like the rest of her family, but it was zapped out years ago by a power surge. So now she no longer sees auras, and all she can do is find lost objects. And really, like, what use is that? So when her parents decided they want to take a vacay from Valentine, Inc., and they hire Lucy to take over for them... Of course, she accepts because even though she doesn't have their gift of seeing auras, well, girls got to pay her rent. Bills are due. I'm an adult. I guess what else can I do? And how can these lost objects help her help people fall in love? 
Except one day she locates a lost wedding ring that's linked to, that shows her a dead body hiding somewhere. And so now there's a murder. So maybe her abilities aren't as useless as she thought. So now she has to get a private eye that works in the same building as her parents' business to help her figure out how she can solve this murder. And maybe at the end of the day, she finds love for herself after all. But I guess to find out, you have to read Truly Madly, Lucy Valentine, book one by Heather Weber. So good. And I would also like to mention that she writes as Heather Blake. She writes other mysteries as Heather Blake, and they're all really good, too. Wishcraft mysteries. Yes, that's her. The Wishcraft mysteries and the Magic Potions, I think. Oh, yeah. I haven't read those, but I've seen them. I I just, but of all her series, they're all really good, but I just love Lucy Valentine. That brings us to the end of Paranormal Mysteries. So, Mika and anyone else who is looking for this kind of read, I hope we have managed to help you out a bit. I want to thank Sarah and Brooke and Natalia for hanging out with me this evening and talking about all these books. We had some scheduling trouble for this episode, but we were all here and it's fantastic. So, thank you so As always, Thanks goes out to Christine for all of her fantastic editing. And we thank each and every one of you. Join us. We talk about all the books we love. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.